Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you for what's ahead, oh God. You know the beginning from the end, and I thank you for what's ahead. And I give you praise today, Lord God, that you have great things in store for your people. You have a great future in store for your people. And Lord God, we can rest in the knowledge that it's already ahead of us. It's already done. It's already prepared. And we're going to walk into it and see the glory of our God in our lives. And everybody said, amen. Give somebody a hug. Before you sit down, give them a big hug and say, you look fantastic. Thank you, musicians. What a great bunch of guys. That's wonderful. Well, how are you going, all right? You've had a new haircut, a new hairstyle. Love it. Yeah, it's dashing black. Great. And uh, who wouldn't love to have a 12-year-old son that was just carving it on the golfing arena? Uh, no pressure on my young Sam, poor little fella. <laughs> I don't think he's ever held a golf stick. You know, I was in Melbourne um, last weekend for my nephew's wedding. And, uh, you know, it's a cold old place, old Melbourne. And uh, my wife and I were there. But we had a wonderful time. And while we were driving back to a place called Bairnsdale in Gippsland. Anybody ever been to Bairnsdale in Gippsland? It's an unusual little town. But it was a town that Michelle and I got to go to many years ago to pastor a church for four years and we'd never been back since we'd left there in 1991 so visiting my parents last week I said you know what I'd like to do I'd like to go for a road trip back to Bairnsdale have a look at the place see the house we built there and uh, just take a day at day and so we did that and it was a wonderful day memorable day in many ways we went to an old bakery that I used to go to years ago and not a thing had changed it was a worry (laughs) and uh, we spoiled ourselves but on the way there, uh, Pastor Christian rang me, uh, we were driving, and um, he said, can you preach for me next Sunday? Now, he'd asked me about four weeks ago, and I just didn't feel right about it. I said, no, no, I don't feel, I feel like Justin should preach. And I'll tell you what, he preached a blinder about the butterfly, remember? And looking out his window at the, uh, I remember it as clear as day. I said to him this morning, I said, I would have sprayed the thing and killed it, but he let it grow. <laughs> And become the butterfly that it was meant to be. And I'm glad you preached because that really encouraged me. But this time, I just really felt, yeah, I should preach. And within about five minutes, I knew exactly what I should preach on. So this morning, we're going to talk about pleasing God. Pleasing God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to find out how to please God. (laughs) I think it's one of the subjects, it's one of the hardest subjects around. And in fact... I don't think it's an easy subject. I personally don't think it's an easy subject. If I was to ask you the question this morning, are you pleasing God, the God of all heaven and earth? Are you pleasing God? I sort of wonder what your initial response would be. I know for me, for many years, I would probably have said, I hope so, (laughs) doing the best I can. You know, I don't know, I mean, he's the big boss up there. I just, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I hope so. And I guess in my heart of hearts, there was almost an element of doubt that maybe, just maybe, God was big and he knew everything about me and just maybe not every area of my life was lined up with how he'd want it to be. And even though I did the best I could and even though I was hoping it was all all right, that just maybe there'd be an element that God perhaps wasn't quite as pleased with me as he could have been. 
And even though I was pastoring a church, and even though you'd get up every morning and pray and do what you had to do, maybe, just maybe, he wasn't 100% pleased with me. And so therefore, there was an element of doubt, and pleasing God became a bit of an issue with me, where if I wasn't careful, I'd work too hard to please God, because I wanted him to be pleased with me. So I'd go the extra mile and put a bit extra in the offering, and I'd, oh, I'd pray an extra half an hour just to make sure that he could tick all my boxes and say, I'm pleased with you. But deep in my heart, I was desperate just to feel like it wasn't such a big effort, but it was a big effort. And so I wonder how you are today when I ask the question, uh, do you believe you're pleasing God? And in the end, I guess after many years of working with God and talking to God and being a Christian, I've come to a very simplistic approach to pleasing God. And I want to give it, especially to all the younger people in our church today, that don't work too hard to please God. Don't. Let it go. Because, you know, I don't have to work hard to please my earthly father. In fact, I don't have to do too much at all. I went there last weekend. He was happy just to have me there. He was like, oh, you've come. <laughs> I, haven't seen you. I haven't seen you in a few years. It's been about two years since I saw Dad. And uh, so I'm talking father now. Mum's a different issue, but mum was there as well, and I'm happy she saw him. But I'm talking father. And I haven't seen Dad for a couple of years. And he was happy just to have me there. And he was happy just to do things like, want to have some fish and chips? <laughs> My dad had fish and chips three times when I was there. It's the, English, it's the English side of him coming out. He says, you want to have fish and chips? So I said, yeah, let's have fish and chips. So we went down to lunch, had fish and chips, and he didn't say much. He, he sort of hobbles a bit now. He's nearly 80, and he, he's not quite, you know, as alert as he used to be, but we had fish and chips, and he was happy. And then, you know, we'd have a little chat about things, and he said, I'm going to do the road trip to Bairnsdale with you, Graham, me and you. And so he sat in the front, and I sat in the front, and we were no more than an hour down the road, and he fell sound asleep. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is some road trip. <laughs> and he slept for over an hour. But he was doing life with his son, and it was simple, and it was pleasing. And, you know, on the very last day before we left, we went to the wedding, and I said goodbye to him, and he just pulled me close, and he says, love you, son. See you, mate. And that was it. Now, I haven't had the best of relationships with my dad over the years, in fact, I, I really empathise because we've got a very dysfunctional family. If you knew my family, it's extremely dysfunctional. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not hard to please your father. It's not hard to please your wife. You, you know, really, keep it simple. I heard a pastor say this once. He said, I used to pray to God all the time, God, which suit should I wear to church today? And he had a brown suit, a blue suit, and a black suit. And in, in, in desperation to please God, he said, God, please, this morning, tell me, I don't want to offend anybody. Should I wear the blue suit, the brown suit, or the black suit? Just tell me which one to wear, and I'll be able to go to church knowing I've worn the right suit. Now, it sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? And God spoke to him these words. He said, wear whatever flipping suit you want. He said, I'm your father, not your mother. And I think that that's probably about the basics of it. So what do you want to do with your life? Do you know, we often get so concerned about where are we going with our life? What does God want me to do? These guys are going to Uganda. And I guess when they first thought about it, they probably thought, is that the right thing to do? I hope it's the right thing to do. What if something went wrong? Or... But you know what? They look very happy about going to Uganda. I don't know why, but they look very happy about going to Uganda. And you know what I think? I think that God half the time would say to us, what do you want me to do? What do you want? 
What would make you happy? Because if I said to my earthly father today, Dad, I'm not sure whether to live in Melbourne or Queensland. What do you think? He would say, whatever you want. What do you want to do? He wouldn't make it complicated. Let's look at Hebrews 11.6. I know we've got to get to a biblical foundation for this. But it's talking about pleasing God. And it says these words. Let's have a look. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let's rephrase that. With faith, you will please God. But without it, it's impossible to please him. Then it goes on to say, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. How many have done that this morning? I've come to God. I've said, God, I believe you are. Forgive me for my sins. We've come into the family. But then it says, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us. You know, it's like God has a lot of rewards. Not stars, you get the gold star. No, but rewards. And he says, if you will seek me, I'll reward you. In other words, I so much enjoy you coming to me and looking to me, I want to give you something for doing that. And that's hard to comprehend, that God in heaven would want to give us something because he knows that we are seeking him. You know, the Lord's Prayer is something that we all learn from childhood. But do you know, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, and we always say, well, then he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's part one. If you look in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to have a quick look at it. I don't know if we've got that there yet. So as he was praying in a certain place, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples. Next one. And he said to them, when you pray, and this is the Lord's prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many know that off by heart? We know the Lord's Prayer. But keep going if you wouldn't mind this morning. Please. (laughs) And then he said to them, so this is part two. We only ever know part one. But he said to them, which of you will have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me free loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me, the door is shut. My children are in bed, I cannot rise and give to you. But I say to you, though we will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, because of his persistence, he will give him as much as he needs. Keep going with the next one. So I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. How many receive? Everyone who asks receives. Can you go back, please? I'm confused now. (laughs) And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from his father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, God is saying to you, ask, seek, knock. And as you do that, he wants to respond and give you what pleases you. You see, I don't believe that God is in any way determined to make life hard for us. He wants it to be easy. 
In fact, one of the primary scriptures Michelle and I have used for three years now is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if I start to get to a point where I'm thinking, man, life's tough, I'm really, I don't know what it is, but I can barely, I think, hold on a sec, this isn't God. Because God's yoke is easy and his burden is, say it again, God's yoke is, and his burden is, hey, it's not tough, it's easy. So if your life feels complicated, we need to go to God and say, God, I'm complicating my life, sorry about that. I'd like an easy life, thank you. I'd like one of those light lives. I don't want to have financial pressure. Can I have it all easy, please? And he will look down from heaven and say, I'm working out a plan for you. I'm going to work out a plan for you. Why does the Bible say, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you? It keeps it simple. So pleasing God is the ability to have faith, and it's the ability to move forward, knowing that God has it all planned if you just keep letting it go to him. He said, I'll build the church. I'll build it. How many pastors have tried so hard to build the church? God, this isn't happening. Oh, God, we only had 84 last week, and I'm trying to get to 100. God, please. And God says, hold on a second. I'll build my church. But how does he build his church? By everybody saying, my life's easy. I don't mind coming to church. I've got an easy life. I don't mind giving. My yoke is, is and my burdens are all good. No, I don't. It's, but when everybody comes to church, and it's kind of, it's hard to do it then it's hard to build the church. So we keep it simple. Stupid. No, we don't say that, do we? So keep it simple. You know, in 1995, Michelle and I left a church in Adelaide to go to North Sydney. We sold our house that we built over there and we came out with, I think it was $30,000. And we landed in North Sydney. Wherever I'd gone with Michelle, we'd always planned to try to build a house as well as build God's house. I remember arriving in North Sydney and we were renting a house in Browns Road, Warunga. I don't know how many have ever been to Warunga in North Sydney, but it's a little ritzy little pocket of the area that's quite wealthy. And I remember renting a house there cost me 500 a week. And I, was renting, I could have rented a house in Adelaide for about 180. So it was just pro rata. It was crazy. And we took this church, little tiny church. I mean, six people had asked us to go and take over this church that had really been through a struggle. I'll never forget when Brian called and said, Graham, I've got a church for you, mate. It's in Warunga. And I said, oh, okay, I think I know where that is. And he says, but there's six people in it. Would you come? And I said, yeah, no worries. We'd just spent four years building a church to 200, which was quite good for four years. And it is in its own building, and everything was easy. And, it was, and so we arrived in North Sydney with six, and it was start all over again. I remember we rented this house and I remember going up to the real estate and I had $30,000 that we'd saved from the sale of the house. And I'm thinking, I wonder what I could do here in North Sydney. And I looked in the window and everything was like $400,000, $500,000. A derelict two-bedroom house for $395,000. I think, oh my gosh. And I remember saying to Michelle, I said, looks like we're going to be renting while we live here in North Sydney because we've only got $30,000. But just out of a sense of, well, why not try the exercise, I went to the bank. I said, excuse me, Mr. Bank Manager, I got $30,000 in the bank. How much could I borrow with my current income? And he came back to me and he said, the grand total of 110000 is the most we can lend you. So I said, 110 and 30 makes 140. We are not going to be able to do anything in North Sydney. That was right after we arrived. So we just built in the church, getting around people like your good pastors, Christian and Melissa do, and just loving on people. 
And then the state conference came up in Port Macquarie and they said, you know, everybody can come. So we thought, fantastic. And we look forward to that every year. And so we had the twins were only little and uh, they were only babies at that stage. And we drove all the way to Port Macquarie and we stayed for the conference and we had a great time. And we're coming home in the car from Port Macquarie back to Sydney. And Michelle fell asleep, the kids have fell asleep, and I'm just driving the car. And so I got a little bit of praise and worship music going. I'm just, you know, in my zone. I've enjoyed the conference, just relaxing with God. And suddenly as I'm driving the car, I felt the presence of God come into the car. Wow, here's the presence of God. It's wonderful. Wow. And I'm just enjoying the presence of God, and I'm thinking, this is really nice. Thank you, Lord, for coming and spending a bit of time with me in the, right now. You know, I'm just doing my thing. And out of the blue, as clear as day, I heard the words, as soon as you get home, look for land. I thought, wow, as soon as I get home, look for land. Now, I wasn't looking for land. I'd done the exercise and given up. But the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, as soon as you get home, look for land. So I, I kind of put it to one side, drove in. It was late at night. Kids went to bed. We all went to bed, woke up the next morning. And I got in the car and I'm driving down to the post office to get my mail from the post office box. And there's this little sign on the side of the road that says, land for sale with an arrow. And I remembered what God had said the day before. And I thought, I didn't know there was any land for sale in Warunga. So I drove up this place, this kind of hilly bit that went up. And it was a bit of a ramshackle road. And I'm looking for land. I'm thinking, where is this land? Where is this land? And there was nothing. I couldn't find it. And so I rang the number that was on there and I said, there's land for sale in this street. I couldn't find it. He said, it's number 45. Go and have another look. So I went back up and I saw house 43, house 47, and then there's this massive amount of trees in the middle. And that was it, number 45. So I rang the guy up and said, what's the deal? And he said, I'm a solicitor. I'm selling it on behalf of my client. He said he wants 248,000 for it. I said, okay, no worries. He said, interested? I said, well, I am. I said, but I don't have $248,000. He said, how much money do you have? I said, I've got $140,000. $110,000 the bank's approved and $30,000 that I've got in the bank. So I'm $100,000 off, off the mark. He said, okay, no worries. And he didn't even bother saying any more, so that left it at that. And that was in November. By the end of November, I had another phone call. I'm just doing life with Michelle. And the guy says, are you still interested in that block of land? I said, well, yeah, I'm interested, but I said, I, I ain't got the money. He said, well, look, he said, this is the situation. He said, the owner's in bankruptcy. He's got till December the 23rd to sell that block of dirt. Otherwise, receivers are going to take it. He's desperate for cash. Can you go any higher? I said, well, I'll try. How much more do I need to go? He said, well, can you get to about 220? And I'm thinking, well, that's a long gap, 140,000. <laughs> So I said, well, I'll see what I can do. So I went back to the bank. The bank said, no, we can't lend you anymore. I went to my father. He said, no, I haven't got, not, not my heavenly father, my earthly father. He said, son, I haven't got anything. I said, okay, I understand that. I went to the credit card. I thought, 2000 I could get on my credit card. So I rang him back and I said, I can do 142000 He said, oh, forget it. Don't worry about it. And off he went. December came around. December the 15th came around. By now, I've gone to the bank and said, can I get that loan approved? They said, yep, we'll approve it for you. So they gave me all the deal. It's ready to go. And on December the 15th, he came back to me. He said, can you go any higher than 142000 I said, oh, no, I can't. He said, give me a week. And on December the 22nd, they sold me that block of land for $142,000. It was 100 plus thousand less than what it should have been. 
You see, I wasn't planning for that. I'd given up in the sense of we were just doing God's work. But God in heaven was looking down going, I want to reward them. That's how I see it now. I didn't perhaps see it like that then. I want to reward them just for doing life and doing it well. I'll give them a block of land. And I'll give it to them in Warunga. I thought it was impossible. Michelle and I both resolved ourselves it was impossible. But you know, God knows the desires of your heart. And he just looks down and he says, I can, I can reorganize things for you. And he makes it so that the impossible becomes possible. He makes it so that what we think, you know, the Bible says that faith is the substance of what you hope for. Don't be out of hope, at least hope. You know, some people would say, well, I, I haven't got much money to even think about a house. Well, have hope. Drive around. Look at houses. Just get it into your spirit. You know, years and years ago, back in Bansdale, Victoria, when I was there with Michelle, I used to lo- love the idea of driving an Alfa Romeo. I know it's crazy, but they tick my boxes. I love the little red, sporty Alfa Romeo. And I went all the way to Sydney on holiday with Michelle, and she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the Alfa Romeo dealership. She said, what are you going there for? I said, I don't know. I just want to take it for a test drive. (laughs) So I put my good clothes on, and I turned up, and I said, excuse me, could I take an Alfa Romeo? Yes, sir, come on in. So I sat in the seat, and I smelt the leather, and I thought, whoa, this is nice. And I took it for a test drive, and I came back, and I said, have you got a brochure? And they said, yes. And they gave me this colorful brochure, and I cut every picture out, and I glued it to a big piece of cardboard. And it was Alfa Romeo, and it was the car. And you know where I put it? Where most men sit a lot. I put it in the toilet. And there in the toilet on the wall was this Alfa Romeo 147. Every time I sat in there, sorry, sorry, but I just looked at that. And I thought, one day, I'm going to have one of those. It was my crazy hope. But you see, most people would say, well, you can't be like that. That's materialistic. You know, God doesn't get involved in... You know, he does. Because it says, whatever you hope for is a potential for faith. You know, it was only three years later I bought an Alfa Romeo 147. And my good friend back in Sydney, who was also a minister, he had a desire for a BMW 318i. And we had both talked about it. And a year, you know, around the same time I bought mine, I rang him and he said, I just bought mine this week. And we did a road trip to Sydney, both of us side by side in our red cars, (laughs) waving to each other, believing. You know, I want to tell you something. God loves his children to be blessed. Do you know that if Kerry Packer was still alive today and you were one of his children, there'd be no limit to what you would believe for? Because dad's got all the money in the world. What the heck, hey? I didn't say James because he's nearly your age, but if Kerry was alive, you wouldn't think twice about it, in all honesty. If your father was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, what's the issue? Yeah, dad, is it all right if I buy an Alfa Romeo? Yeah, what's an Alfa Romeo? Buy a Maserati? No, just Alfa You know, he wouldn't, it's, it's uncontained, isn't it, really? It's relative. And our Heavenly Father in heaven looks down from heaven and he says, whether you, whether you seek me, when you just pour your life into me, when you just believe in me, he said, whatever your hope is can come to pass. It's there, it's just possible. And God, I mean, we can't live in that arena of, oh, God, please, that's why I've just got Alpha Romeo on my mind all day, every day. No, no, no. That's just something we're hoping for. 
and God is your number one. And everything else falls into place. So what's on your toilet wall today? That's what I might ask the question. Is there a picture in there? Is there something in there? What's on your list of, if only God could do this for me today, what would it be? Because you know, in reality, God wants his children to be happy. Last thing I'm going to share with you before I, is uh, Luke chapter 8. I think we got it up on the, there became a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. He had an only daughter, 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Just stop there. In the life of Jesus, everything was possible. Do you know, when Jesus came out of the water after being baptized, what did his father say to him? This is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. He didn't even start his ministry at that point. He just did life. Just got up every morning, honored his mum and dad, worked in the family business. He'd never even done one miracle. And as he came up out of the waters of baptism, his father said, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased. Do you know, if we could understand today that God's saying, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. My beloved daughter, I'm well pleased. We would not have any inhibitions. See, Jairus had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying. And the interesting thing was that as this man has beckoned Jesus to come with him, along comes a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. I got a revelation on this last night. I thought a 12-year-old daughter is dying and a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years is coming towards him. The woman's had the issue of blood the same amount of time the daughter's been living. No, no, no coincidence, 12-year-old daughter, a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She's come behind, she's touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She can't get to him because there's thousands of people around him. I was in New Year's Eve uh, celebrations at Darling Harbour, trying to get across the bridge at 11.30 at night to watch the fireworks years ago. And it's like this. And I had one twin, Michelle had one twin, and we're trying to get through. There's, when you're thronged by people, it's a scary feeling almost because it's like you can't move, can't get out. It was quite, Jesus was being thronged by the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood, it says she literally had to crawl. She couldn't get to him, but she managed to just get to the bottom part of his cloak and touch it. She felt something. Jesus felt something. Jesus stops you. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. He said, somebody touch me. Peter, who has all the intelligence of a mule, says, uh, Jesus, everybody's touching you. You know, come on. They're thronging you. Everybody's, you know, pushing you along. He said, somebody touch me. And the woman trembling comes. She says, I touched you. He said, your faith made you whole. Go in peace. You see, the woman's faith set her free. As he's traveling, Jairus' daughter dies, and then he says to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. See, everywhere Jesus is going, stuff's happening. It's to set people free. It's to bring life. It's to 
hope in the hopelessness of life and it's, it's to change it, it's to make it come about. It's like this woman's desperate for a miracle, this daughter's dying. It's changing all the time. And what Jesus is basically doing is saying, you had faith, great faith. You need to just stop being afraid and believe and he's doing his job. But he's constantly saying to people, have faith. He's constantly saying to people, don't, don't. In fact, he got to Jairus' home and it said, and they were all crying and he said, put them out. Get that negativity out. And they all began to laugh at him and said, get them out of my house. He said, you and you come with me. You've got faith, you've got faith. He walks into the room and he raises the daughter from the dead. And what we see here is that Jesus is looking. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He's looking. I I, I try to get this into perspective today because the Bible says God wants to do exceeding abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. He's just looking, 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 looking. And when he sees somebody in tears on their knees saying, Jesus, please remember me, he says, yes. He sees somebody else over here who's got up in the morning with a worried son who's doing things they shouldn't be doing, and he's saying, yes, I see that faith. He sees somebody over here who's doubting right now but crying out to God saying, God, help me with my... He says, I'm helping you to get to faith. He's looking for faith. I tell you, it excites you because it takes away from the arena of negativity. It takes away from the arena of it can't be done. It takes away from the arena of I don't believe it's possible. And it puts it in the arena of whatever I believe for God can do. Get you excited. I want to tell you today, your life will change when you believe. It's just as simple as that. Without faith, you will find it impossible to please God. But with faith, everything is possible. If you believe, you will receive. You see, it's a simplicity of Jesus saying to his disciples, ask and keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. So every day, Father, I know I prayed it yesterday. But Lord, please don't forget, I'm believing for this. He says, got it. God, why isn't this happening? I'm just seeking you. I don't understand. I got it. God, don't forget. I got it. You know, really, we become individuals who literally walk. You know, the Bible says, one thing have I desired that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life because the house of the Lord is a place of hope. It's a place of hope. I believe that the simplicity of Christianity, you know the lady that just recently went to America, to California? I forget her first name, Hazel. She sends Michelle these amazing emails. Before she left, she said, I'm believing for a massive home with a pool and all my friends can come over and they can all... And she sat at that table and said that to me. She goes, I haven't got much money, but I'm believing... And, you know, good old man of faith I am, I'm thinking to myself, oh, gee, I hope she's not disappointed. (laughs) You know, what if it doesn't work out, you know? And she says, all right, I've invited all my relatives to come and stay, and I'm going to have this massive home and pool. And and then the first email came through, and it says, I'm struggling to find a house. And I'm thinking, oh, I should have said something to her. I was a bit worried about her, you know, getting a bit too excited about it all. And, And, you know, literally like a slap in the face, the second email got me. I've got the house. Got the pool. 
I'm sitting out by the pool right now when I type this email in 40 days. She got it because she believed. And as I was praying one morning, I remember the Lord said to me, you are an immature young man for Simon. Because I doubted it. But she didn't doubt it. You know, we want to go to Uganda. Go to Uganda. You know, people could say, well, that's a bit bizarre. What would you want to go to Uganda for? Who knows what's in Uganda? Who knows what's going to happen? What about just the excitement of going for a year? What about, wow, we went to Uganda for a year. How many have got an itinerary that says, we went to Uganda for one year, worked in an orphanage? I haven't got that, but you'll have that. What about, oh, we're going to go and start a church in Noosa. Noosa, I love the place, but it could be complicated. No, but they've got an itinerary. They've got a, a resume now that says, one year, Noosa, tick. Kids all looked after, tick. Got a great bunch of people, tick. But if they hadn't have done it, we'd never have known. You know, who knows what God's got for those that trust him with all their heart. <laughs> I like the front row. It's just full of, full of leadership. Who knows? But you know, it starts with hope. It starts with getting on your face and saying, you know, God, you know, for years I wanted to go to the UK. I used to say to Michelle, I'd say, one day I want to go to the UK. I'd love to go and live in the UK. And she'd say, what do you want to go to live in the UK for? It's horrible. I said, I know, but it's just me. I want to go and live in the UK. I want to plant a church right where I grew up as a kid. She said, well, maybe one day. I was, I was saying that to Michelle 10 years ago. It's just a hope. And she said, but the kids won't want to go, and I don't really want to go. And so I'm thinking, well, God, you know my hopes. So what happened the year before last? We got to go to the UK for a year, plant a church. And now I look back and I think, thank God I did that before I died. I'm glad I haven't got a bucket list of things I wish I'd done, but we have things that we've done. My mother couldn't have children for many, many years. She had four miscarriages before I came. She cried out to God on the day, one particular day, and said, God, I really would love to have five children. She made that a commitment to God. She went to an orphanage to adopt a child. And the minister of the church called her up and said, don't adopt a child. God's told me you're going to have a child. A year later, I was born. The minister held me up to God and said, this is the firstborn he'll go into the ministry. And sure enough, many years later, I went into the ministry. I didn't know he said that because I was a baby, but you know, he said. <laughs> Mum had four children. She comes to Australia. She's never told anybody, I prayed for five. But she was happy to have four. Who cares? I've got four. She had so many miscarriages, she was just happy to have children. I was 21 years of age. I was in Bible college in Katoomba. And out of the blue, she rang me up. She said, Graham, I need you to sit down. I've got something I want to tell you. I thought she was going to say, Dad had died or something serious. Something. Is everything all right? What's going on? She goes, I'm pregnant. I'm 45 years old. And I'm pregnant. I have a sister that's tw 21 years younger. And my mother said to me these words. She said, years and years and years ago, in desperation one day, kneeling before God, I said, God, would you give me five children? I was happy to have four. And then right at the very end of her potential life to have children, out of the blue, God gave her number five. 
God hears every prayer. He hears every cry. He hears your heart reaching out to him. And he looks down from heaven and he says, I want to honour your faith. I want to honour your hope, whatever the desires of your heart. Could you stand with me? Would you lift your hands to God right now? And I just asked the question today, what are the desires of your heart? Do you want to get married? That could be a desire of the heart. Do you want something to happen in your family that hasn't yet happened? It's a desire of the heart. But the Bible says whatever you believe and whatever you hold on for, you will receive. Whatever you hope for can become faith. Abraham grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. That what he had hoped for, he would receive. As you're standing here today, your belief system of God is determined by what you're hoping for. Never let go of your hopes. Never let go of your dreams. Because God has a way of turning it around and making it work. When you come to God the Father, you say, well, how can I, am I pleasing to God? You know what pleases God? When you come to God the Father and ask him. When you come to God the Father and seek him. When you come to God the Father and knock on the door. And he opens the door and he says, hey, come on in. And you walk in and he goes, what's wrong? What, what can I do? What, what does he want me to do? And you say, God, could you just do this for me? And out of his abundance of heaven, he says, yeah, I'd love to do that for you. He might make you wait. There might be a delay. But you know what? His timing is perfect. Six months ago, Michelle and I were looking for a house to rent. We had a specific itinerary of what we wanted. And we thought we'd found it, but we let it go. And six months later, God gave it back to us. We move in two weeks. But it was exactly what we'd asked for. But we waited six months because the owner got desperate and reduced the rent right down. So in that six months, the rent went from here to here. So we thought, well, I'm glad we waited. But God knew there was a delay for a reason. Come on, lift your hands. Faith is the substance of everything you're hoping for right now. What are you hoping for? You need to write it down. You need to just go before God every day and say, God, I'm not letting go. This is what I'm believing for. God, I've got an incredible passion to see this happen in my life. God, I want to do this. God, I want this to happen in my family. God, I want to break through this area. God, I'm just looking to you right now. And nothing is impossible with you, so I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hold on tight and your eyes are looking across the world right now to support those whose heart is completely yours. Let my heart be completely yours right now. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, God will open the door. Smith Wigglesworth was praying for four people 
to come to know Jesus Christ before he died. By the time he was ready to die, two had come to the Lord, and he turned to his associate, and he said, even if I die, they will come to the Lord after I die. And sure enough, he died, and they came to the Lord years later. Why? Because he believed even until the day that he died, that God would deliver. I tell you, if you've got family members you're praying for, don't worry about the way it looks. Don't worry about what they seem to be doing. Just keep holding on to God and say, God, turn it around. God, bring it through. God, God, set it through. God, do the work you've got to do. Send the right person. God, bring it to pass, I pray. I believe today there's faith in the house, and I believe today that you can receive a miracle that's one step closer right now by just reaching out. Come on, let's just rejoice in the Lord, and let's begin to cry out to God right where we're standing. God, we thank you for miracles that are going to come forth from this day because people have renewed their hope, and they're not going to let go, and they're going to believe that nothing is impossible to you. Hallelujah. Sicknesses will disappear because God's got a divine timing. Why did a 12-year-old girl meet a woman with 12 years of sickness? It's so that it could bring glory to God on that day. Who knows whether her sickness came even on the day that daughter was born. But Jesus knew, the Father knew that on that day in history, a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years was going to meet a daughter that was dying at 12 years. And on that day, miracles were going to happen. It was the divine timing of God. I tell you, there's a divine timing in the house, and we need to just move with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I just want to open up the altar call for you if you're saying, I'm believing and I'm going to receive, and I'm not going to let go, and this is a stand I'm going to make today, just to stand. I don't even think you need to have hands laid on you, but you're just going to come to the front and say, God, I'm having my miracle. I'm going to have what I'm believing for. And no devil in hell is going to stop me. No circumstance is going to stop me. Nothing's going to come between me and my miracle. And if that's you today, make a stand forward just so that God can look down and say, I see your faith right now. Make a stand now and come forward and say, I'm going to get my miracle today. Hallelujah. You know, you just got to reach out and put your hands up and say, God, it's mine. I don't need somebody to lay hands on me. I don't need somebody to anoint me with fresh oil. I have my miracle today because my faith says that I believe that God Almighty is more than enough. My faith believes today that God Almighty has all sufficiency. He can meet every need. He can break the bondage. He can set the captives free. He can open the door. He can allow anything to happen on any given day, and I'm going to receive it today in Jesus' precious name. Why don't you just begin to worship God out the front? Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.